Now, it's really delighted tonight to welcome back amongst us the Kingdom Heirs. We've been looking forward to them coming for some time. They're going to come and sing two pieces now, and then uh, our good brother, uh, Paul at Greenfield, Reverend Greenfield's son, we've asked him, knowing that he'd be here, to uh, share a wee word of personal testimony, and then the Kingdom Heirs will come back and sing two further pieces. And then after that, I'll bring the necessary announcements. Thank you. Okay. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God give blessed consolation. That my trials only come to make me strong. I've been a lot of places, and I've seen so many faces. There have been times I felt so all alone. But in that lonely hour, in that precious lonely hour, let me know that I was his own. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned. Christ is their saviour. You know, we look at the world, we'll turn the TV on, and everything is about trials, everything is about problems in this world. But for the child of God, through all these things, we can turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. This next piece is also one of testimony to what God is. He's above all. And we just pray that it'll uh, speak to some soul even as we sing it. Thank you. (laughs) 
joy and a privilege to be here tonight and carried off here in Killy Newer and uh, thank the Reverend McLaughlin very much for his kind words of welcome. Uh, I just came into the pulpit there. I'm not sure what Mr. McLaughlin's thinking about us here tonight, but he has left us sitting in the pulpit, Mr. Mischief. And I'm not sure what the significance is because as I look around here tonight, there's people here from I think every aspect of anything I've ever done in my life. Trevor Jackson sitting there and me and him have walked more miles on a Friday night together than any other couple in here I would suggest with the cross guard flu band and there's a teacher here from school and people from Wellworth and, and whatever where I've ever been. So I was given a testimony in Hillsborough last year at the service and my mum said to me afterwards, you weren't very nice to me. So I'll be very nice with mum tonight for she's here and she's brought my dad too so I'm not allowed to say anything about my mum but it is a great joy and a privilege to be here and thank you very much for the invitation to come along. Just a couple of verses of scripture I'd like to leave here as we start my testimony. Just Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 and everyone will notice just trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not in thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And also another verse, and it's one my dad has always wrote when he's been saying in Bibles, and I think it's Philippians 1, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And I suppose even this last wee while here, the significance of that verse has become very real for just even twice in my own readings at home, looking at the concordance lately, there was a, something that jumped out was, if you're not ready to die, you're not ready to live. And certainly that can be said, even in this current situation that we're in, that there's many a worry for each people. But if you're not ready to die, certainly you're not ready to live. If you're ready to die, you can just face tomorrow with whatever it brings to us. But as, as I'm sure most people here will know, and I do feel sorry sometimes for the folks in Killian Year for they've had that endure our singing for 26 years almost now. And I think we're here every year, maybe once or twice. So I apologize on behalf of the rest of the boys, for I'm sure you are fed up listening to us. But uh, it is good to be here again in this lovely church building. But I had one of the greatest privileges that anyone can have, I suppose, of being born in a Christian home. As you know, my dad's Fred Greenfield and my mum Jean's here. And they've certainly, it's only as you get older, you start to really appreciate 
the, the influence and the guidance and the help you had as a child growing up. And uh, growing up in the manse has always been fun. Some people have wondered what it was like, but I suppose I found out from a very early age, and I've even seen that tonight, that no matter where I went, there's been somebody there who knew me or knew my dad. And uh, there was always, even in school, a wee free pee there who would tell your mum on you if you were misbehaving. So you always had to be very good, I'm sure. You know, that was never a problem for me. But when I was born back in 1975, dad was a minister in Mount Marion Free Presbyterian Church. And uh, then uh, at that stage, just Anne was my older sister, who's here, and uh, Naomi then was, came along a few years later. Uh, I'm sure you're all aware, with knowing Anne from coming to Killinger, I was a good child in the family. Anne was, and Naomi were the ones that caused a lot of the problems for mum and dad, but we got rid of them when they got married, and they had a great few years in the house with me and my own, and uh, they really enjoyed it. They thought I was never leaving home, but uh, it was just that uh, even from a very early age, we were always taught uh, about the Saviour. Dad would be out singing many's a night and out preaching over the years and uh, he was all over the province and uh, we would be at home with mum but if it wasn't a school night so to speak mum used to take us along for I don't think she'd have seen dad if she didn't take us and we attended many many meetings and uh, uh, we would have been all wrapped up in the car and some night Andrew and Heather would have came with us too and would have sang coming up and down the road in the car. I think that's where we took a notion that we would sing someday but, uh, but it was great just to be in that environment all the time always at different church services and as I've said before, I always knew my dad was the best singer in the free church and the best preacher, and I'm not biased at all, but when I was younger, I thought he was the only preacher for everywhere, every night of the week he was away preaching somewhere else, and from harvest services to praise service, and I see Graham here, it was always a joy to see Graham, you had to hide because he'd have broke your hand when he squeezed it, and this is when we were out years ago, but uh, dad was been all over the country uh, singing at different, different meetings, and also my grandparents were saved, which was a great privilege as well, and my grandfather would have sang many years ago with the male voice singers and the Bethel singers, and I always loved to sing the hymn that we sang it now as a group who come to the garden alone, and uh, certainly it was always a privilege and great to be brought up in a Christian environment from a very early age. It was 1983, April of 83, that, that I got saved, that I realised my need of salvation. Uh, Dad was in a children's meeting in Londonderry, Free Presbyterian Church, and uh, Anne and me went along that night and we were excited about getting chips somewhere in the way up. I can't remember where we stopped, but I think we thought about who sat in the front seat and who sat in the back, and I think Anne won again. But at, uh, that night, I was maybe a bit quieter coming home, but just it was that night the first I realised really that I wasn't saved. I think I always thought I was saved. I thought because I was born in a Christian home and had always been around Christians, I always thought I was saved. And I remember feeling really ashamed that I wasn't, and I sort of thought, what's going to happen if people find out that I wasn't saved? But uh, I can't remember much really from the meeting that night, but I remember the chorus, the Lord is my shepherd, and I walk with him always. He leads me by still waters. I walk with him always. And I just remember coming home that night and at the Manson Bam Bridge, and, uh, I went to bed and I couldn't get to sleep. And I came back up and dad and mum there that night and it led me to the Lord. And uh, there's just a verse in Matthew 19, verse 14 says, but Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. And I thank the Lord that night that he saved me, he washed my black heart white, and even at the age of eight years of age, that I then knew that I was saved, and that I was ready to live because I was ready to die, even at that age. But I did always feel, you know, I did think that night it was, it was I couldn't believe that I wasn't saved when I realized that I hadn't been, I just thought I would have been. And I remember always, uh, you know, saying to Dad, don't be telling anybody, and don't be saying anything, because I'm sort of nervous about it. And Dad, in the way that he does, just sort of looked at me and didn't really commit to anything. And uh, he'd always a great way of letting you know what you needed to do without really having to tell you too much. And uh, I went to my grand and grand's the next day, it was a Saturday, and me and Granda loved to watch the wrestling, Big Daddy. And that was a highlight of my week, watching Big Daddy wrestle. And Anne would have went shopping usually with Mum. And, uh, but as soon as we were in the door, my granny said, that's great news, you got saved last night. Well, you could have knocked me over, because I thought, 
Who told her? How did she know? And Dad just looked around. And, but I suppose ever since then, we were always encouraged, no matter where you went, to tell, tell that you were saved, that, not to hide it, for it's a lot easier. And I know there's a lot of young people in here tonight, and it's great to see so many here. And just even thinking back to all the nights that we went and hear the boys talking about it here now, about the Lestuder and all going about. And it's great company. And I thank the Lord that no matter where we were as a family, the Lord always provided other Christians there. I may not have seen it as a plus at the time, but certainly looking back now, I can see that the Lord's hand was upon our lives. And as I say, wherever we were, the Lord had other Christians and good company there for us. You know, we can't all preach, as you can see, uh, but we all can do something for the Lord. And we were always encouraged as a family to tell that you are saved, take your stand, no matter where you are, let people know they'll respect you for it. They might not always agree with it, but they'll certainly respect you for it. And I certainly uh, thank the Lord for even that direction that we got in our lives from mum and dad. Uh, the Lord doesn't save you, it's just to keep you, but, and we just have to try and serve the Lord, whatever we can do. As I say, we're singing now 26 years this year as a group. Uh, for some people, that's good. For others, maybe the folk in Killing Europe had to listen to this every year. It's not so good, but it's just good to do something. The five of us got together. There were six at the start and then five from a couple weeks in, and we enjoy going around all over the province at different places singing and uh, just doing something to serve the Lord. And even that, you know, you've, you've hard times as a group going through. You say, we just thank the Lord even for Derek back with us and after the couple of years that he had there. And, uh, you know, we just, everything goes through hard times. And, uh, even in our own family, Fiona lost her dad last year. And certainly there's challenges, but as Christians, the Lord is there. He's there to help us. He's there to take us through it. Uh, we can be a witness at work. And you know, it's amazing just the different opportunities the Lord will give us and where we live. And you know, for Sunday school teachers and youth workers here, I just encourage you for, it's certainly it's great to see uh, young people that get saved young in life. And I thank the Lord he always keep you. I thank the Lord then I got married to Fiona and I wrote down here, she's not here, so I wrote down here my wonderful wife Fiona, but she's not here so I just say Fiona, no more joking, she's a wonderful wife Fiona and Amy and Caleb and Sophia, the Lord has blessed me with three kids. I thank the Lord that each one of them has made a profession to be saved. I just pray the Lord would keep them for it to get to the age now, older, and there's so many distractions in this world that the Lord would just put his hand upon them and keep them close to him, you know, and our prayer would be as, a, as parents that we'd be a godly parents as we can be. And be a good example just to our children and it's not easy but it does say in James 5 verse 16 the factual fervent prayer availeth much and we just cling to that promise that the Lord would you know the words of one of the songs that we sing and I think we're going to sing tonight is without uh, it's not without him it's I can't even walk without him holding my hand and certainly that's true for us tonight and as I said even the situation we're in their land you know we just have to really rely on the Lord and just really cling to to his promises you know even Isaiah 26 verse 3 says they will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is dead on thee because he trusteth in you trust ye in the Lord forever and the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength and that's certainly the strength that each one of us can cling to tonight as we as we go about our lives in the days ahead you know the other song that we sing and it's another one that I take a lot of uh, encouragement from is without him I can do nothing and without him we'd fail you know and we do feel the Lord many times and there's many a time that I've let the Lord down in my life throughout the years many a time at school that I probably didn't tell too many I was saved and uh, didn't really think too much about it but it does say that the longer you serve him the sweeter he grows in another song and I just thank the Lord that that is true it says in Romans 3 and 23 that all have sinned and each one of all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and we just have to be thankful that it doesn't end there in Romans 3 and 23. It does go on in Romans 6, verse 23. But the gift of God is eternal life. And eternal life, you just like to ask each one here tonight, have you got that eternal life? Have you, have you got saved? Have you given your life to the Lord? Because until you accept that you have sinned in your life, you know, you're, you're not ready to live. And I truly believe that tonight. And if you do give your life to the Lord, you will have eternal life. And you can face tomorrow, no matter what it brings to us, you know. 
just in finishing summing up my testimony, I just want to say I'm thankful for the people in my life, for my Christian parents, for the workers, for the church that we've been attending, for also many friends. I say friends are very important, young people. That, you know what I'm saying, young people, seeing strange that some up here at 44 years of age saying about young people. We took a youth group to a place in Lisburn last week, and the man came over. It was one of the virtual reality places, and me and one of the other youth workers jumped through, and he goes, now, honestly, for older folks, you feel a bit wheezy in this year, but the young ones will be fine. And I think it's the first time I realised how old I was now. He told us that you might be sick if you go on that ride there. So I think he was right too afterwards. But just thank the Lord for the people in my life and the places even we have been as a family. Dad was, as I a minister, and we were in Mount Marion and Bambridge, and then we moved to Calgary in Canada, the Cross Guard, Newton Arts, and then Dad finished in Marion. That's the age I got married and living back in Bambridge. But no matter where we were, you know, the Lord always provided Christian friends. And I think that just is something for even maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking you couldn't do it on your own. You don't have to do it on your own. The Lord is with you. He knows our weaknesses and he will provide for you. Even we had the school in Calgary and it was a multicultural school and there's a boy there in the first couple of days and he told me he was a Christian. You know, it was real encouragement to me at that stage and no matter what school we've been to, there's always been many Christians there and it was just the people in the place and the purpose of your life and we're here just to witness and to tell about our Saviour and I enjoy going around singing. I don't enjoy this part of it just so much and uh, certainly, but I remember one night when I asked him a testimony and I said very quickly, no, I didn't want to do that and I sort of felt challenged then that you know you should be taking every opportunity you can get and I thank the Lord even this last few years I'm on local council now and the Lord has given us many different opportunities to witness for him and just pray that you take your opportunity for the purpose in your life is to witness for the Lord and if you're doing just the promise we have to cling to that he will never leave us or forsake you and I just pray that tonight if you're here you don't know the Lord that even that you would be ready to die and then you will be ready to live and that you could just come and know our Saviour who will be your Saviour too. Thank you for listening.
thought that I could do I'll out on my own I thought I could make it All alone I thought of myself As a mighty big man But Lord I can't Without you holding my hand Lord, I can't even walk Without you holding my hand The mountain is too high And the valley is too wide
Kingdom Heirs for ministering to us. I wasn't aware that it was 26 years that they started to come. They've been coming mostly every year since I have been here as the minister. I didn't know there used to be six, but I'm quite happy to volunteer for the sixth person if you want. You know where they used to talk about a dummy flitter in the band? Well, I could be the dummy singer. Um, but that was very good. We appreciate your ministry and song, and thank you so much, Brother Paul, for sharing that word of personal testimony. And it's always good to know uh, when a person has got saved uh, and the fact that they can uh, speak uh, of the Savior uh, as uh, being their Lord and Redeemer. We're going to turn uh, to the Scriptures. Uh, we're turning to Luke chapter 7. While you're turning to the place, we just want to say thank you to you for coming tonight and for those who are joining with us from other churches uh, here in Carrie Duff and in St. Field. We're really glad to see you and we pray the Lord will meet with us and bless us at this time. Luke chapter 7, we're going to read from verse 31. Luke, Luke chapter 7, verse 31. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord said, Whereunto shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. Ye have mourned to you, and ye have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and ye say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children. We'll end the reading there at verse 35, and we pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this short reading from his own precious, infallible word. Now, my text tonight is taken from Luke chapter 7 and the verse 34. It says, The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. And that's what I want to pick on tonight. Jesus Christ the friend of publicans and sinners. Now, every one of us as Bible-believing Christians not only testifies to the saving and keeping power of Christ, that Christ is our Lord and Savior, the shepherd and bishop of our soul, but we also know and believe that Jesus Christ is the most perfect and the best friend of all. I, I was thinking on Friday night when I went home after the young people's meeting because we were speaking about real true friendships of the hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus. Do you know that that was written by a man called Joseph Scriven? He was born in 1819. He died in Port Hope in 1886. Did you know that he grew up in the Banbridge area, County Down? Paul has already referred to Banbridge a number of times. In 1842, he received a university degree from Trinity College in London. He became a teacher. 
He had quite a reputation for uh, being able to teach. He, he fell in love with a young girl and got engaged to be married and planned to settle down, I believe, in the Banbridge area as well. Plans for the wedding were all set. On the very eve of his wedding, his bride-to-be tragically drowned in a swimming accident. He was heartbroken. He was overcome. He uh, left Northern Ireland to start a new life in Canada. He moved to the Port Hope area. He set up home in a place called Rice Lake. He got a job as a tutor there, teaching children of certain military officers. And um, again, he fell in love with a young lady called Elizabeth Rice. Again, he got engaged. He planned to marry her and raise a family. And then sadly, tragedy struck again. Literally weeks before the wedding, the young girl fell ill. She had pneumonia, and eventually she died. Again, he was devastated. He was overcome with grief. However, amazingly, by the grace of God, he accepted these tragedies as gifts from God. He believed in Romans 8 and 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, and to them are the called according to his purpose. And through prayer and Bible study, he found not just a great solace in his faith in Christ, but he also found a great mission. At 25, he took a vow of poverty, sold all his earthly possessions, and vowed to give his life to helping the physically handicapped and financially destitute. Ten years later, he received word his mother was ill, and due to his vow of poverty, he hadn't enough money to return home and help to care for her, so he was heartsick. He felt a need to reach out to her, so he wrote a story of his life in a poem format. He called it, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Sometime later, of course, a friend was at his mother's bedside, saw the poem lying, quite a number of verses. I'm told there was originally 24. And he read them, of course, to his mother in her bed of sickness. He got a blessing in his own soul as he read it. He asked the mother who wrote this, and she replied, Joseph did. Later, Joseph Scriven said, When asked, the Lord and I together wrote the song. One of Joseph Scriven's friends got a copy. He took it to a music publisher, and within two years, the hymn was published and coupled to a tune written by an American lawyer called Charles Converse. Twenty years later, D.L. Moody came across the hymn to believe it to be one of the most touching hymns ever written. He had it sung at his meetings, and during his many gospel campaigns, people were introduced to the great theme, what a friend we have in Jesus. Ironically, Joseph Scriven drowned in a Canadian lake in 1886. Sadly, he never to see to, uh, his song carried um, to the four corners of the earth and sung all over the world. What a friend we have in Jesus. What is the hymn about? It teaches us this, that Jesus Christ is the most perfect and the best friend of all. Solomon Wisest man that ever lived in Solomon 5 and 16 said this, this is my beloved, this is my friend. We, we have been singing there, I found a friend in Jesus. 
The Bible tells us there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And you see, the theme of friendship is found in the Bible, and that's what I was dealing with on Friday night, real true friendship amongst the young people. And we looked at the definition of a true friend. We thought about the desire for a true friend. And then we thought about the description of the true friend. And um, because we were late in starting, time ran away, and I felt I would try and pick that thread up and present uh, a message tonight rather than Daniel chapter 2 on the friend of publicans and sinners see Jesus Christ is the best and the truest friend of all notice our text says a friend of publicans and sinners and this is what the Pharisees and the scribes the religious leaders of the day were saying about the Lord Jesus they were members of a very strict religious sect they, they wanted to be separate from sinners. They looked down their noses on sinners. They would have absolutely nothing to do with sinners. And they would certainly never be found in the company of sinners. Or, or the even thought of being a friend of publicans and sinners. But that's exactly what the Lord Jesus is. That's what he came to do. That's what the Lord Jesus is like. So in a few minutes, I want us to think about what sort of friend the Lord Jesus really is. What is he like? Could I suggest to you tonight, he's a condescending friend. Do you know the Bible says of him, he humbled himself. Remember who he is. He's not just a man, a good man, a real true man, a gracious man, a godly man, a great man. He's the God man. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. The Bible tells us there in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 1 and in the uh, verse 14, it, it tells us the, these particular words. Listen to them carefully. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Think of the Lord Jesus leaving the splendors of heaven. And where's he bound for? He's bound for the manger, the dirty feeding trough for animals in Bethlehem. He, he somehow mysteriously disentangled himself from the bosom of the Father. Because remember, he's the eternal son of the everlasting Father. And he was incarnated in an embryonic form in the womb of the Virgin. And, and he climbed down a very long ladder of humiliation and was manifest in the likeness of sinful flesh. I said to a wee woman one time in Aberdeen many years ago, do you not know that the Lord Jesus was born for sinners? That he lived a perfect sinless life for sinners? That he died an atoning death for sinners? That, that he arose again bodily from the dead for sinners? That, that he calls out to sinners, repent and believe in me. See, remember, the book of Hebrews tells us there, speaking of the Lord Jesus, it says this in Hebrews chapter 7, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. There's a connection between the crucifixion, the resurrection, his life of intercession. Listen to the next verse. For or because such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. And yet it was this one who became the very friend of publicans and sinners. In fact, they said of him, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. 
you think tonight greater love have no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends but God commended his love toward us and while we were yet sinners Christ died for us and you think of the many individuals that the Lord Jesus met in life's journey and how he treated with them how he ministered to them never man spake like this man that the sick were healed the broken hearted were helped those that were unclean and full the woman taken in adultery woman where are their accusers go and sin no more you, you, you think of the woman at the well, the immoral woman with many husbands that were not her husbands. And he told her for sin. He taught her about himself. And that woman ended up, is not this the Christ? She received him and testified of him as Lord and Savior. You see, whenever people are introduced to Christ, their hearts are melted, their minds are affected, their wills are changed to, to desire him. Because he's a condescending friend. He, he humbled himself very quickly. He's a compassionate friend. Do you know that the Bible tells us there in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs 17, verse 17, a friend loveth at all times. Sometimes we sing, Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. The Lord Jesus is not a fair-weather friend, young people. He's not a foul-mouthed friend. He's not a faithless friend. He's not a fiend of a friend. The Lord Jesus always seeks the good and welfare of all who know and love him physically, mentally, and spiritually. Do you know him tonight? Do you know that he loves you tonight with a perfect Holy love. Do, do you know tonight that he not love you more tomorrow than he already does today? Not even if you had the joy of living a hundred of your lives. See, nobody could say tonight, well, I deserve to be loved. You couldn't say, Lord, well, I have done this and I have done that. So, so you can love me better and you can love me more. You know what he says? He says, I've loved you because I've loved you. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. He says, I, I love them freely. You see, it's without money and without price. Nobody deserves it. And there's nothing in us, of course, that's going to desire it. And it's only because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that we begin to feel and experience and taste the love of God in Christ. Remember David said, no man cared for my soul. Maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking there's nobody cares for me. There's nobody loves for me. There's nobody understands me. Nobody knows me. Well, the Lord Jesus stands as a compassionate friend. You know what he tells us? I care. Is it not written? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. A friend loveth at all times. And if you're going through a hard and difficult period, better experiences, then the Lord Jesus stands as one who, who loves you and everything about you, physically, mentally, materially, spiritually, whatever. Could I tell you something else quickly? He's a crucified friend. I've already quoted John 15 and 13. Greater loveth no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. I remember telling that little lady in Scotland about how the Lord Jesus was born to die for sinners. Scripture says Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Could I tell you tonight at Calvary? Young people, listen to me carefully. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't an accident. 
It wasn't a tragic event in the life of Christ. There, there's some teaches that in evangelical churches, but I'm telling you it's wrong. It was all planned from eternity. He was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world in the great council of redemption between father and son. It was foreordained in the heart and mind of God. The Bible says, but this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down in the right hand of God. He's the perfect substitute. He took my place and yours. He's the perfect surety because he paid the debt that we owed to the broken law. You see, we had sinned. We had broken the law. Sin's the transgression of the law. God defines what sin is. And, and of course, whenever the law is broken, this, that breaking of the law has to be paid for. And, and, and the wages of sin, the Bible says, well, it's death. The Lord Jesus became the perfect surety. He was the perfect sin bearer. He took the guilt and punishment of our sin. The, the Bible teaches that he was treated as the worst of sinners. You think tonight of Christ in the tree, for he that is God hath made him that is Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Peter talks about that, the, the, the fact that our sins were, were laid in Christ. He's the perfect sacrifice. He bore the wrath of God. The hymn writer said, Jehovah lifted up his rod, O Christ, it fell against thee. He's the perfect sin offering, all to become the perfect saviour. Why tonight? To bring us into a saving relationship with himself. So we could have the privilege of calling him Heavenly Father. We have many privileges in Christ, but you know one of the loveliest and the best privileges of all? The Lord Jesus can say of us and him, ye are my friends. He says, I have called you friends. Isn't that tremendous? A friend who shares everything with us, who's made us heirs of God and joint heirs with himself. And it's all in that context, John 15, verse 13, John 15, verse 14, John 15 and 15. Greater love of no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. Isn't that wonderful? He wants to bring us into an intimate, special relationship with him, where we can say, this is my beloved, and this is my friend. But he's in turn calling us his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I, I say unto you, think of it, vile, guilty, hell-deserving sinners in a wonderful relationship with Christ. And Christ is not ashamed to call us his brethren, not ashamed to say, these are my friends. Could I tell you something else quickly as we close? He's a chastising friend. Proverbs 27 and 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. The kisses of an enemy, of course, are deceitful. The Lord Jesus remembers the very embodiment of truth very embodiment of love. He, he always and only speaks the truth in love. And one thing that he does as a compassionate, condescending, crucified friend is he points out our sin. He, he pinpoints our pride, our jealousy, our, our lust, our gossiping, things that we've said and things that we've done and things that we've thought. And tonight he comes again as a prophet to our soul. And you know, I was thinking today, whenever a child is out there with mummy and daddy, maybe shopping, and if it runs across the road, what does daddy do? He shouts, stop. Why? Because there's danger in the road. 
Or if a child goes to put his hand in the fire, what will mummy do? No, no, don't do that. Why? Because there's danger there for the child. And you see, the Lord Jesus, he comes at times as a chastising friend because he knows the danger and the power of sin. And, 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 and he, he gives power to those that are gospel preachers to preach about sin and about salvation and hell and repentance and heaven and Christ as Lord and Savior. And even though these things annoy and upset many, it's, it's for their good. It's for their benefit so they can learn and know the truth. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you tonight. You're not yet saved. Listen to him. He's saying to you to stop in life's journey. He wants you to think. He wants you to know him. He wants you to have the joy of being brought into a right relationship with him. And you know, for many that don't stop and listen, he can bring other things into their lives. He can bring trials and troubles. He can even bring tragedies, all to get you to stop and think, so that you can learn a life of absolute dependence on him. Maybe you're here tonight and you're cold and you're backslidden and you've turned away from him and you're not listening to him. And maybe you're happier in the pub than the prayer meeting. And maybe you're happier in the dance floor than, than, than devotions to Christ. And maybe you're a young person. You're experimenting with the things of the world, whether it's drink or drug or other things. Or maybe you're here as a young person. You're full of bitterness. And, and you're thinking, you know, I would rather be out there with my friends. Remember, there's only pleasure in sin for a season as the prodigal learned to his cost. I was thinking, true love always rebukes. But it's not wonderful to have a friend that can point out your sin and your failings and saying to you, you shouldn't have done that. I hear that every day from really. But it's good to have someone that points things out. Let me finish. He's a close friend. Doesn't the Bible say in Proverbs 18, verse 24, there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother? He'll not fail you. He'll not forget you. He'll not forsake you. Do you know why? Because the Bible says the Lord is at hand. you know what that means? That means he's at your elbow. He's called Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is there. The Lord is nigh thee. And his word is in thy mouth. And as a close friend, he loves you. He comes daily to talk to you. He has time for you. He wants to edify you. He, he prays for you. He wants to help and assist you. Reverend Roger Higginson told me one time that he was sent out to Australia. He was informed by those that sent him out, you're not going to be their friend. He thought about that. But is that not what the under-shepherd is? Because if the Lord Jesus, as the great chief shepherd of the sheep, is the friend of sinners and publicans, then the under-shepherd should be the same toward those in the congregation. Let me finish tonight. Do you have a close friend? How does that close friend treat you? Loves you, talks to you, edifies you, prays for you, helps you, assists you because of your need? Well, then let's lift that up to the highest spiritual realm and think of Christ. The Quakers are called the Society of Friends. God's people should be marked by true friendship one toward another. We're to be kindly affectioned one to another. Why? We're to love one another, pray for one another, help one another. Why? Because Jesus Christ is a close friend. He's at our elbow and he's observing, watching us, how we treat one another. A friend of sinners and publicans. Do you know him tonight? He has condescended for you. 
He's very compassionate and caring. He crucified for you. He'll point out your sin to bring you to himself that he might stay close by you forever. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you this evening. We're going to sing in closing 625 and then we'll have a wee prayer and then we'll go and have our supper together. And if any doesn't want to stay,